Happy New Year and welcome to this MCA podcast. My name is Alan Lehman. With me is my colleague Paul Connolly and we're going to be looking ahead to the challenges and opportunities of 2018 for consulting and for the wider economy. One thing that I noticed over the holiday period was the large number of commentators saying just how pleased they were that 2017 was over, but how they were also determined to try and be more optimistic this year. And I suppose it's true, Paul, that for many people, 2017 was a disappointment. Real incomes fared badly, inflation started to take its toll, and there was a wider sense, not helped by the election that perhaps never should have been, that the country was drifting. So maybe we could start this podcast with this general backdrop and the prospects for 2018 and begin by identifying some reasons to be cheerful. Well, uh, Happy New Year, Alan, and Happy New Year to all of our listeners. And I suppose, as you say there, the first reason to be cheerful is that this is 2018, not 2017. And uh, I think uh, the last few years have been filled with uh, fairly disruptive factors, things that uh, people have found unsettling. One of the things I think we're starting to see uh, this year and we're experiencing it towards the end of last year, is that if you look at things from a global perspective rather than just through the UK lens, there are reasons to be mm-hmm. cheerful. Um, the economic performance in the Eurozone is very good, and uh, that is having a beneficial impact on uh, demand for manufacturers, including UK manufacturers. The US economy whether because of the enlightened policies of its leadership or simply because of other factors is roaring away and we're seeing um, very good levels of growth there and that's very encouraging it was only two years ago Mm. that commentators coined the expression secular sclerosis Mm. uh, something that uh, was going to confound all of our economic expectations and introduce you know potentially a, a new era of slump and depression and the lack of consumer confidence well that's that fear seems to have abated somewhat i think if you look at things through the uk prism however um the reasons to be cheerful perhaps become fewer and further between oh, uh, the, uh, well we have seen yeah. on the positive side a uh, uh, an improvement in our productivity in the last quarter of 2017 and let's hope that continues into 2018. That could just be a statistical blip based on a stable amount of output but a shrinking, uh, slightly shrinking workforce as uh, net EU migration uh, goes down Uh, or you know it could be the start of something uh, more beneficial but on productivity we are starting from a very low base against our competitors and as I say it's it's difficult not to look at the UK context at the moment and uh, fail to pick out some sources of worry for business. It was certainly I mean I was very struck I went to a session with our opposite numbers uh, from Western Europe uh, um, November time I think and it was very striking the change mood there um, particularly amongst the French and Germans and to a certain extent the Spanish uh, as well the level of optimism now you know, on the continent is far higher than I've known it uh, in recent years and it was that was very striking and uh, somewhat in contrast to our own domestic mood though one thing I suppose we could say about British business is it's pretty resilient. It's it can be adaptable, 
Um, certainly the consulting sector shows, demonstrates those, those characteristics and thrown all sorts of challenges, people do respond. I mean, that's one of the causes I would have thought for, for optimism in the, in the future. I think that's right. I, I think that one of the things that you consistently see business asking for from government is stability in policy making. They prefer there to be a roadmap for the future, a set of uh, controllable government policy factors, as well as things that are uh, beyond government policy, such as monetary policy that is relatively stable, so that they can make decisions against that. I think that provided that uh, stability can be given by our policymakers in the coming year, then business will continue to be as adaptive as it needs to be. Well, that brings us on to the issue we haven't mentioned so far. And it may be that all these calls for certainty uh, for the future are a certain amount of whistling in the wind here because we're living in a world where there isn't much certainty and indeed we're calling 2018 the year of disruption. Um, and I suspect the disruption theme is going to last for, for a long time and may never go away. Um, but it brings us to the discussion of let's discuss Brexit and the, the state of the UK's negotiations with the EU connected debates about industrial strategy, trade and and migration. And I suppose the evidence at the end of last year was that, yes, the UK government is keen to get an agreement. Uh, there's a lot of talk about no deal, but the behaviours seem to suggest that agreement is, is top of the list of priorities and that the, U, the EU is in the driving seat on that. And we even begun uh, towards the end of last year to discuss the nature of the regulatory alignment that will be required so that the UK can maintain its trade relationship with the EU. So we're just about to embark on the most significant upheaval in economic, regulatory, security and policy, foreign policy of our lifetime. Lots of risks in that. Um, but what can we say and what have we learned about the impact on the consulting industry and also the likely areas where consulting will be called upon to help clients through these changes? Well, I think, first of all, I we can add to those reasons to be cheerful the slight change of tone in the negotiations mm -hmm. towards the back end of last year. I think the fact that we moved from the rhetoric of the Lancaster House and the um, Florence uh, speeches of the Prime Minister into a discussion about regulatory alignment, uh, largely to solve the border question, but also to put in place transitional arrangements. We all know the thing about transitional arrangements. They have, they have a remarkable uh, propensity to become permanent yeah, over yeah. time. Um, I think that that shows a new realism in terms of what's going on. And the, the talk of hard Brexit seems to have abated somewhat. And it's now, I think, a pragmatic Brexit, mm -hmm. one, one that uh, secures our, our alignment there. In terms of how that will impact our own industry consulting, plainly anything which uh, provides stability for the consulting client base is going to be useful to them in terms of continuing to serve their clients in the pursuit of growth. I think though there is a recognition that uh, even the best form of Brexit entails a certain amount of complication or at the very least change in the trading landscape that the UK will operate in. 
So I think we will see quite a lot of demand for consulting in areas such as logistics. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be uh, a demand for consulting in areas around supply chain management. I think as well, uh, our consulting firms who specialize in things such as uh, negotiating skills, there are obvious uh, roles for them in uh, not just the immediate negotiating arrangements, but the individual negotiations that firms will have to have with their overseas partners in a change trading regime. Um, We're also seeing, as a consequence of Brexit, a period of um, depression in the value of sterling that has some beneficial impacts in terms of uh, a potential rise for manufacturing. So we noticed a little shift uh, towards manufacturing uh, consulting uh, last year. And consultants themselves, provided they can continue to trade effectively across Europe and provided there continues to be a recognition of the importance of allowing access uh, to European markets for UK-based consultancies, will be in a position to uh, exploit their competitive value and continue to, to hawk their wares. One thing that I think is absolutely critical here, though, is that consultants are both part of and facilitators of that great UK export, which is our ability to embed ourselves within complex global supply and value chains. The fragility of those is something which those who are making Brexit policy need to understand and ensure that those supply and value chains are adequately protected. Our industry works right across those. They work right across you know, dispersed complex markets like infrastructure, the highly internationalized uh, manufacturing uh, value and supply chains. And it's important that the pragmatic Brexit that politicians seem now intent on delivering protects those value chains so that the UK itself, but also our industry, yeah. can continue to thrive. Yeah. I mean, it was very clear, for instance, that when the uh, discussions with Ireland were at their height before Christmas, the issue, yes, of course, it's the border within uh, on the island of Ireland, but equally important to um, um, the Irish government is its trade with the rest of Europe through the UK, um, and it doesn't want to disturb that if it doesn't have to, um, and that's. But and one of the things I've noticed, I mean, you probably picked this up as well, is the growing interest, the growing role of our members on issues such as reconfiguring the borders, um, making sure that the borders will be equipped to deal with the new world, that customs are going to have their procedures in place. There's a lot of emerging demand from government, um, and of course, we've hardly begun to scratch the surface of the amount of change that will have to be implemented within the public sector, new regulatory regimes, new regulatory bodies, I think, um, given new tasks as things are, as, as responsibilities are repatriated to the UK. Um, the three billion set aside for the no deal is going to be dwarfed by some of this uh, change that's going to have to be implemented. And I, and I guess our members will be playing a crucial role in a lot of that change management and restructuring. Let's, let's bring things closer to home. The policy area that's dominated uh, the media since the 1st of January is so high profile. And in a year which marks the 70th anniversary of the NHS, we shouldn't forget, is health. We begin the year with what is, to all intents and purposes, a winter crisis. 
And I suppose the key question for consulting will be how government and the NHS responds to that, um, and particularly the balance between calls for more investment, which we hear every day, of course, and proposals for reform. Interestingly, now the debate has been reopened about the relationship between health and social care. Um, and we, of course, was, we shouldn't forget that the NHS was in any case being asked to make massive efficiency savings over the next few years. Um, there's often a lot of controversy around the role of consulting uh, in the health service. It's easy to say, oh, well, that money could have been spent on uh, delivering care. Um, but at the same time, uh, there is clearly some structural policy and resource issues right at the forefront of, of how we do health in this country. Absolutely. I think it was F. Scott Fitzgerald who said that it is a hallmark of a first-rate mind to be able to entertain two utterly contradictory propositions and know them both to be true. Wow. And with the health service, we are repeatedly told by global surveys that it is the most popular service structure on earth, yet we repeatedly see, year after year, a system that is in crisis. And I think it's actually quite easy to believe that both of those propositions are true. Mm -hmm. I think having a, a service that is free at the point of, of delivery, funded out of general taxation, is, is plainly the consensus position within the UK. But attendant on that are various problems. If you are intent on sustaining something that is as good a sickness management service as we have at the moment, then you have to respond to the longevity of the patient population, uh, changing uh, demographic and condition factors, the increasing cost of, of care. And so it eats up more and more of the, of, of the tax uh, take every year. I think the involvement of consultants, therefore, is important in terms of under helping those who work within the NHS understand it in the round. I was privileged last year to interview Martin Cresswell of Empower. Mm. And Empower are a firm who've done a lot of work in local government around demand management. They see opportunities in health around uh, ensuring that everyone who presents at A&E or everyone who is uh, engaged with the health system should be there and uh, where they could their conditions could be dealt with better in other mm. contexts, mm. then that would help to limit uh, the demand on scarce resources. Other of our firms like PPL uh, look at issues like integrated care. Many of our firms are involved in helping uh, the health service understand the potential benefits of digitization yeah. of patient records, patient yeah. management, but also of some of the core healthcare elements mm. uh, themselves. And I think that innovation is going to be needed going forward. But also, I mean, whether adventitiously or not, whether because of uh, the politics of the reshuffle, the fact that the health secretary is now the health and social care secretary, I think is a significant move to trying to get the National Health Service, which has always been called the National Health Service, mm. to move beyond being a national sickness yep. management service yep. into something which needs to look at the whole range of factors that affect health, from lifestyle to um, uh, to factors such as, as poverty, and to start to think about health in the round. 
because although this is, to go back to the first point, in the view of most people, including myself, the best way of doing health on Earth, it is a difficult model to sustain unless you look at ways of making it more and more efficient over time. And that efficiency, of course, means people like us taking responsibility for yeah. our health yeah. and people like consultants showing where impacts at other points in the system that you wouldn't necessarily even connect with health yeah. in people's uh, recreation, in people's lifestyle, in people's housing, in the services that they receive from local government can have a beneficial mm. impact mm. on the NHS itself. And this service, let's face it, represents roughly a tenth or more of the national economy. So it's going to require fantastic leadership, fantastic management skills, and the ability to change um, over time and innovate, as you say. Um, so why should it be surprising? Indeed, it would be appalling if it wasn't. If this wasn't the case, that uh, the best management consulting brains are contributing to that, uh, that effort. Um, certainly when we come to the NCA awards later this year in April, I expect we'll see quite a number of health-based projects entered in different categories because that's where you can really see tangible benefits um, delivered for patients as well as for taxpayers and um, many, of the, many of them just illustrate the fact that it, were it not for the interventions of our members, um, large, small, specialist, generalist, um, parts of the health service would be falling over because of the demands placed on them and the resources they have to manage it. So let's look at consulting. Um, uh, the story of 2017 was of an industry that was really moving fast to keep up with client needs, embracing the disruption we've talked about, and at the leading edge of automation and digitization. More and more talk around those those issues. What, and it's always hard to predict um, the future for consulting because it's in a way that's its nature is to respond rapidly to those changes. But what, what themes would you anticipate for 2018? Well, I would expect some of those straws in the wind around automation and AI to become great big bales of hay. I think we're going to see a lot of additional disruption within consulting that consulting embraces positively. I think we've started to see consulting move from just thinking about the impact of digital on client need and responding to that into thinking about the potential for AI automation and the whole range of digital capabilities to transform the business of consulting mm -hmm. itself and how it is delivered. Uh, some of the interviewees for last year's annual report talked to me about crowdsourcing mm -hmm. of insight and helping to uh, globalize the insights that they were providing for uh, client organizations uh, through digital. And I would, I would expect to see more of that. I think one of the other less digitally, less directly digital uh, impacts on consulting, but something which is there because in the digital age client need is increasingly complex, will be the need for more and more partnership between consulting firms and partnerships that the MCA will always be happy to try to facilitate. If you think about it in the context of digital, a client wants 
the very best specialists mm. for every single aspect yep. of the digital transformation yep. it's doing. But it will also have, you know, sometimes really quite amorphous needs. A, a client might point to a competitor and say, they've just introduced Miracle App X, <laughs> and there's nothing we hate more than our competitor other than Miracle App yeah, X, yeah. but we'd like you to come in and provide us with Miracle App Y. Which is even better. Which is yeah. even better. So good that no one has ever heard of what it is yet. Um, and can you do that the day before yesterday? Yeah. By the way, if your new Miracle App Y for us fails, you won't get paid, yeah, yeah. so do it all at risk. Now, there isn't a single consulting firm on earth that can answer every single aspect of that requirement. And it's very difficult in a context of specialization to meet the client's requirement for a fragmented market to address that client need without partnership. Mm. So what I think we'll increasingly see is a trend that we're already seeing of consulting firms brigading together, working together to wrap themselves around those client needs mm. and answer mm. them. And I think that partnership element, the, the, the sense in which people who have historically been in competition can achieve outcomes that are greater through some form of partnership together won't just be exclusive to consulting. I think it's a feature of yep. the digital age, and I think it's something that we will see in other areas of the economy where competitors will share services, data, and so forth in the interests of a greater good while remaining in competition yep. with each other. And that was, it's very interesting you talk around that, and it was uh, also very good to start the conversation with our buyers forum uh, towards the end of last year about how the buyers of consulting can best access those sorts of partnerships, whereas traditionally they might have um, had processes which pointed towards single uh, relationships rather than creating these these more more creative and productive uh, collaborations, if you like, from, from the marketplace. Now, it's tough tough for them to, to organise to do that, but it's uh, a good challenge to present them with and to think through how you best do that. Now, Finally, um, let's bring this really close to home. It's going to be a busy year, of course, for the MCA. Um, very conscious in this world of disruption, uh, much of it which impacts directly on consulting firms, as we've talked about. Uh, the industry's representative association is likely to be disrupted as well, and personally, I'm going to welcome that. Um, and our job is to represent the best of contemporary consulting excellence including changes in its size, its shape and configuration. And we're going to be moving to a model that's very explicitly about providing services and opportunities that are of direct benefit uh, to member firms. So a lot of change on our agenda as well, thinking about how we grow and expand and also uh, evolve to meet this new world. And it's one which we'll both be working on uh, very hard. And I think also responding to changing views within the membership about what the role of an association is in this in, in the 21st century, if you like. Well, I think it's important for us to keep our services relevant. Uh, and to do that, we need to respond to the fact that, as we've mentioned, our industry is changing and it's changing very rapidly. I think it's not just changing in the uh, shape of what the players who are currently in consulting are doing. I think it's changing in the where the boundary is placed around what is consulting service. 
we are seeing in recent times people who are providing services that are definitely independent advice for business who historically might not have been considered management consultants at all. And I think that presents a challenge to us to think about what is it that is threaded through the entirety of our, our membership that we can serve, while at the same time providing services that are bespoke for the different types of need that we have. Historically, we've always had to respond to that, Alan, as you know. I mean, it's, a, it's always been a feature of consulting that the people who are involved in it, a feature of UK consulting, certainly, that the firms that are involved in it include uh, firms that are famous for something else, mm-hmm. like infrastructure or IT services, and they have very healthy uh, consulting practices. Now we're seeing Shoreditch agitators and disruptors who, as well as providing uh, innovative uh, digital solutions are also advising people on the use of digital. Are they consultants? They probably are. They're certainly people that our members want to meet and collaborate with in that way that we've described. So we have to think about not just the nature of the services that we provide, but the scope of membership and therefore the scope of services that we provide overall. I'm very excited about it, I have to say. So um, there's lots to look forward to in 2018. And while we should always uh, be real- realistic about our world, there's also plenty of cause for optimism and excitement, I think, around the consulting industry in the UK. Uh, we'll do many more of these podcasts during the year and we'll um, introduce many of our members to this, this audience uh, as well and discuss many of these issues again, I'm sure, as well as new ones. Thank you, Paul, for this conversation and thank you, most of all, for listening.